The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm the host this evening, Ed Lucy, and my guest here is local resident Bill Thompson. Thank you very much. I'm glad to see you again, Bill. Yeah, I'm glad to be seen. Yeah. Well, that's you know uh, how our seniors are. We're so glad was, to be seen. That's Mark Twain, I think, was one <laughs> claims credit for that after he died. But uh, <laughs> Marlin's had a quiet Fourth of July, oh, which yeah. is not unusual this year for not only Marlboro, but for other communities, but there were uh, f events in in the, in the local wards, you know, but they seem to gear towards movies this year. Oh, really? That was yeah. a started, I think, in Ward 1 um, in two years ago, and now we've seen several of the wards do that, but some of the events that were were part of the programs for a long time, or even in the newer ones in the recent years, they didn't have for the the social distancing and the problems with the uh, with the virus problem, but hopefully next year by the time things will settle down and they'll things will be back to normal by well, next year. Yeah, huh? not, the, but not the normal normal w won't be what it was before. There's be so many changes have, have occurred, and I think in the course of the hour we're going to he be here today, we'll maybe touch on some of that. But maybe I'd like to give a quick update too. There is, believe it or not, a city election coming up in November. Wow. Now, this is the off year for the mayor, since the mayor has a four-year term and other candidates for the public office locally uh, are two-year terms for school committee and for city council. Um, the mayor is not on the ballot. And mm. usually when that happens, the level of interest and the involvement of the community isn't to the extent that it would normally be if you had a, an active mayor's election. Oh, that's something. I thought I wouldn't the councilors at large generate a citywide interest or no? Well, they will. They, 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 and that's this year for the first time in memory, maybe I think if we went back in time, it would be the first time it ever happened. One of the at large councilors is running it at the local ward level in Ward 6. Oh, yeah. And Steve Winslow. But he was mm. on the school committee before he became an at large councilor. Yeah. And now he's going to be coming a uh, candidate for Ward 6, for, which is an open seat because the current councillor, council, excuse me, is not running. I see. And then you also have uh, an incumbent councillor at large, Debbie DeMaria, yeah. is not seeking re-election. Right. So you've got... So, so there's two openings at... Uh, at um, councillor at large. At councillor at large, although one of the candidates is vying for a Ward seat. And as of now, um, there are, I believe, potentially six candidates at large. Oh, really? They've either been rumored or have taken out papers. Yeah. And then if there's six or less, there is no primary. Okay. Um, now, the last date to take out papers is the 27th, I think, of July. Okay. So That's you have to take them up by weeks, that date. And then weeks, yeah. you have uh, several days after that to um, return them. Okay. So even if anybody hasn't thought about running or they've been thinking about it and they haven't made a move uh, aggressively to make a final decision, the decision is made when you take out the, news, the, the papers to get the signatures in order to get on the ballot. How many, how many signatures do you need for a counselor at large? Uh, 200. 200. So, you know, you'd have to give time to collect 200 signatures. Right, and certainly in this instance here, if you haven't decided by now, it's not likely that you'll be doing anything at last. So, and it isn't any assurance that the six that currently have taken out papers, yeah. some of them formally announced, but not all of them have, and the result would be 
um, they may not run. They may decide either they, they, they didn't get the signatures or if they, they haven't gone this far enough to be putting together a campaign because even though the election is until November, you don't get a lot done in the summertime because of vacation, sometimes it's the weather, sometimes there's other distractions. So by the time you get to Labor Day, then you, that really narrows the your time down to two months. So yeah. it's one thing to put a campaign together uh, uh, in July, and then you run, and you don't have a, you don't have a primary, and you really don't start doing the heavy lifting until after Labor Day. That still gives you two months to. But if you if you're going citywide, that's another problem. It'd be mm-hmm. a little difficult to put a pick campaign together in two months unless you start off with a a lot of pluses in terms of way, who you are and what what you've been doing locally. As a matter of fact, there was somebody locally who had a. I thought a, a decent enough resume would have been a credible candidate and would have been, a, I think, one of the people that might have been a, a, a chance to uh, be uh, elected to this at-large seat when he, he thought it over and, and after mulling it over and apparently after talking to some people, even though he got a lot of encouragement, I think, he decided not to run. Yeah. And sometimes it's a matter of um, that people think it's a, such a infringement on your life you know you make that commitment so those kinds of things that you've been taking for granted like going away for weekends or doing mm-hmm. other things with your life you say well gee uh, tuesday i have to be at the city council and maybe uh, i can't go on vacation this year where i used to go and whatever so now they're back off zoom meetings right they don't have zoom meetings no they, they're not and um th- th- that's a good point because um at the state level now they're talking about having Zoom meetings for the legislators, particularly when you have um, committee hearings, when you have people come and articulate a support or oppose different issues, the the rationale that, and, and it's got support, the uh, uh, some organizations are supporting that because they're, what they're saying is that people who have a distance to come to Boston, to Beacon Hill, had in the past had either been inconvenienced or didn't come, and then you always have those uh, situations where people have limited physical mobility or maybe they don't have access to a car yeah. or they're difficult to get to where they want to go in public transportation. So for them, sometimes you, it ends up that people that have an, uh, a commitment to an issue don't make that appearance because uh, they're yeah. ha- able to do it, either the distance, the time, or the expense and the, di- the, uh, the limitations that they have uh, physically. So... We may see, again, getting back to the normal that we talked about a little earlier about the July 4th celebrations, we might see in the future a lot of these things that we took for granted before won't be the way they're going to do business. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's one. And even like at the local level now, some of the seats, from my understanding at this point, there are no incumbent school committee people uh, uh, running with a, an opponent. Oh, okay. This is on the school committee. Yeah. And there, there, there is one school committee uh, person who, uh, uh, in Ward 7, uh, Michelle Wong, is running for counselor because the, the current counselor, Neil Anderson, is not seeking re-election. Right. So she's running off the school committee for city council. And um, there's a, there is another uh, uh, person running in Ward 7 who is Chris Simonelli, is a former Counselor from years ago is uh, he's he's moved back to Malden. There's some question about the re- address, but in any event, he's running also. So there were two people running for the open seat in Ward Seven. Uh, Steve Winslow and and um, uh, Jerry Leone, who had been a former school committee, are running um, for the Ward Six seat. It's mm-hmm. open because uh, the the current Ward Six council is not seeking re-election. Mm-hmm. And as uh, and and. A couple of other other councils, Ward 4 and Ward 1, have people that have taken out papers, and there's three people running out of Ward 8, uh, two new people, not new to politics, but who are seeking the seat currently held by the uh, Debbie Seeker. So, uh, that's is she seeking re-election? She is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, All right. Um, so it's kind of an interesting mix here, and... Um, on the other hand, as I mentioned, uh, even though it's, it is a serious election as it should be, um, yeah. it doesn't usually get the same attention when the mayor doesn't have a formidable opponent or even yeah. any opponent. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he's on the sidelines watching what goes on. He still has to do the job. But uh, since he since he ran two years ago and it's a four-year term, he's, yeah, he's yeah. freed up until uh, 
the next election. Well, hopefully. do you think that's a good idea to have counselors at two-year terms and the mayor at four? Well, I think that um, it, it, yeah, I thought the, the idea of having having had that experience. We, you know, mm-hmm. for two years, especially for a mayor situation, you it's like you like with Congress, congressman, you, you're running all the time. You get elected, and your term of office is only two years. Yeah. Now, obviously, when you're when you're a congressional uh, person, you're dealing with many many issues, many many uh, controversies, and uh, and a large and extremely difficult district sometimes to campaign in. Mm. Uh, but running every two years is um, is it seems to me a relatively short term, where I really think senators' six-year terms are too long. Yeah, yeah. You know, even mm. if they had four-year terms for the senators, and, and uh, as it is now, since there's a, a hundred senators, you have you have a, a third run every two years. Yeah. And um, but Congress is that's the way it is. So you, I guess you have to accept it. But at least. At the congressional level, accountability every two years gives you uh, it has some advantages and disadvantages in that uh, controversial issues that uh, might influence your vote. If you were a senator, it might result in your voting another way. Just to, we won't have to deal with that issue because you're coming up for an election the following year. Let's say, yeah, and yeah. in some instances, depending on where you're located and what parties in, entrenched. Um, uh, like in Alabama, for instance, there was a special election, and the Democrat won because of unusual circumstances. And uh, come come two years later, uh, he had to run again because he was only get the unexpired term of the incumbent. And uh, guess who beats him? Oh yeah, the coach. A football there, coach who really yeah. didn't know much about anything, and he mm-hmm. he was he was Tommy making Tuberville. Or yeah, and he was then. making statements that that weren't even in, rational and, and 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 reflected his lack of knowledge, but. And sometimes, and, and, and again, this has been a unique year, even last year for, when, on those races, because uh, it ended up that uh, because of the COVID uh, and the vaccine requirements and the masking and the social distancing, in a lot of elections, even at the presidential level, there wasn't that interaction with the public as much as it normally would be. So people that had a limited... Uh, Resume like the coach, and he might have won anyway because he was a Republican, and, it, and it's one of the, the the largest margins of victory for the the president in the Republican Party in that in Alabama. But he might have had a more difficult uh, ch- uh, chance uh, to get elected, although he probably would have won anyway if there had been a normal year. Because uh, yeah. um, Jones, who was the Democrat, I thought did a credible job, but you know. Oftentimes, it's less important what you do than what you label as a D or an R. Yeah. Depending on where you're located. But uh, so in Malden, we have the election. If there's anybody out there that that um, is mulleted over, the 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 deadline is coming up. And for those that have taken out uh, papers and whether they've informally or formally announced, they've got a limited time to turn the papers back in. And once in a while, someone it happened uh, uh, recently. I saw on TV. Someone was running for office and uh, took papers out. Was uh, announced candidate for re-election and then uh, decided not to. Uh, uh, it was an Everett, as a matter of fact. Uh, decided not to re- run. Had been on the school committee for many years. Oh, but they had some personal issues. They said the f- his father had passed away, and then his friend that had been his campaign manager and friend of his since he was a, a youngster had also passed on. So, a couple with those things, and for whatever else, after he had taken papers out, certified and all, he decided not to run. Yeah, well, things happen, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know? and uh, but anyway, you all—that's the privilege we all have. If we're if we're registered voters and, and the residents of the community, you, you can uh, uh, voice your opinion by going to the polls and making your choices for other people, or you can decide to express your views uh, and and seek a, an office to articulate your platform and your your your, your issues that you think should be dealt with. Yeah. So that gives you a chance, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> now the old, um, the, the old uh, story about the the well-known um, Buckley, the uh, the, the conservative uh, from Yale, was it? Was he, he wrote yeah, a book, yeah, "Man yeah. God at Yale." Yeah. Among other things, he used to have a show on TV. Very intelligent person. He ran for mayor in New York one time, and they asked him what he would do if he got elected. And he said, "I'd ask for recount." So. <laughs> <laughs>
on the on the movie The Candidate at the end. The uh, the, the, the he wins the he wins well, the election. He says that he's. I think this closing shot of the movie was zeroed in on him on the bed. He's what am I going to do now? <laughs> well, yeah. something that effect. Well, I, uh, you know, I, my take on Malden lately is I, I see a cultural shift occurring in Malden, and I'm not, it, which is like probably the second since I've been here, which is like over 40 years. But um, I'm seeing, you know, the downtown section is starting to redefine itself quite dramatically. And, uh, and so I think it was yesterday I was reading about the Starbucks is now coming to, to Malden, which is uh, kind of unusual in the way the fact that they hadn't been here before because we're a population of about 60,000 people. And if you're looking at it in terms of just a market, right, you're wondering why Starbucks hadn't gotten into that market way before. But uh, uh, apparently not. Apparently this is our first Starbucks. <laughs> and uh, as you well know, Starbucks is more for young people. You know, I mean, I don't think I see too many seniors that are just dying for a Starbucks. But <laughs> well, um, they might die if they drank it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there may be there may there, be there, bathroom, be the there may be bathroom issues because of the strength of the coffee. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, it's usually a younger market, and I I can see how. Uh, Malden is probably trying to attract a younger people to the downtown section, to these uh, apartment buildings that are going up and these whatever condominiums or whatever they are. So, um, Well, I, what we kind of interesting, in, 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 indirectly, the, the reference that, the, that you're talking about, Malden hadn't, with 60,000 people before now, hadn't had one. Uh, the demographics of the population would suggest a good a good portion of that market wouldn't be people normally would be their their source of business yeah. on the other hand as as you also noted the uh, the building of so many apartment complexes in and around the Marlin square for instance and, yeah. and, and and even in the other areas within the community would offer up that the people that they cater to are the ones that live in those units and therefore they're the ones that they hope will stop in at the Starbucks now instead of I don't know. I don't think they do it. They make the coffee pot at home, so they must go uh, uh, Duncan, I guess. But the, you, you, and, but what would be kind of interesting. I don't. Know, I do not know the answer. And that would be how many Starbucks are in Revere, Chelsea, and Everett. Well, I was looking at it. And there's actually quite a few in Medford. You know, okay. I mean, Medford's got a lot, and Everett actually has one. I don't know where, but okay. I, they, they listed it as being the one in Everett. Um, but it, it just in terms of the sixty thousand market, it seemed like a blank spot for for Starbucks not to be here. So I guess it makes sense that they are. But as you mentioned before the the show here, we've got a parking issue, and we've got two new restaurants in uh, that the new development in uh, uh, downtown Malden and a high end wine and very little park. You got a parking garage, but you know and. It's uh, it seems to be that it's not convenient to people with cars. They seem to be across from the uh, the T station, and uh, you know you can't park in the T, uh, so it's not convenient to most people in Malden. I think it yeah. seems to be more convenient towards people coming in on the on the T. Well, uh, part of that too is for the people that are unaware of the location of the news restaurants. Uh, uh, they're basically right across the street from the new city hall, which is yeah. at the end of Pleasant Street where the old city hall was. Yeah. But I know my own experience. There's, there's a there's about eight parking spaces in front of the, on the side of the street where the city hall is entrance is located. And whenever I've driven by there, even weekends, mm -hmm. there's always cars parked there, even mm -hmm. though there's meter parking. Uh, it isn't as if you could um, even have an opportunity to park across the street. And I know the the new wine, high-end wine place, delivers, which is a plus. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, trying to visualize in the wintertime people finding a parking space and then walking that distance to get to the to restaurants, I, uh, to me, uh, a lot of times people would, would say that. Well, why why go through all that? To get, no matter how good, if it was, even if it was good, it, it takes a little away from the incentive to go. But that's right. my... That's my uh, uh, outlook. But look, the 110, the one of those new restaurants, they, they, they've been su successful up in Saugus. 
Um, I, I went to the. I, I was up there a couple of times. And I'm not knocking them. Maybe I came, went the wrong time, but I wasn't impressed with it. I thought it was kind of noisy. But it's a different physical layout than the the one here in Malden. And um, you know, there are restaurants downtown that uh, that are very successful, and there's parking problems though. So they they draw on the people. But again, they may be the like you suggested earlier that they they're getting the apartment dwellers and the younger people who do what they want to do, and they don't they're not as concerned with the Walking to, to get to a to a restaurant or, do, or some other thing that they want to do, or uh, go doing it at night in the dark when it's cold. Yeah, well, you yeah. might think twice or three times or four times about it. <laughs> I certainly, I wouldn't even think only once. <laughs> but you know, I give you a, a, another, uh, uh, and I think maybe asked you this one time. How, how would you define honesty? Honesty? Yeah. You want uh, oh, well, somebody who uh, is truthful. Truthful. Okay. All right. Truthful. Was that was that good enough for you? No, because <laughs> because you might think something is truthful and it's inaccurate, and you're not lying, or you just don't know the real you don't know the real facts. Well, that's true, but I mean, it, it's if I believe it, yes. and you ask me, and I tell you what I believe, isn't right. that my truth? It's my truth. It may not be everyone's truth, well, but it may it's, not be it's true. <laughs> well, it may not be, but it's it's my truth, right? Well, the reason I asked that, I got two two articles to talk about here. Um, the, tre- the treasurer from Massachusetts, is uh, her name is Goldberg, and she's been in the office for a couple of terms, yep. and uh, does a good job. Yeah, She I made mean, some changes when she took over, and as they often do when they come in. But she's very supportive of allowing purchases of um, lottery tickets online or with a debit card. With a debit card. Yeah. And the rationale, flipping back a a little over a year ago, um, there was a a dip last spring in March uh, for the level of sales for lotteries. Yeah. And that's when she resurrected this proposal that she supported, which is to allow gambling in the purchase of lottery tickets by either debit cards or online. Okay? Now, interesting enough, of course, one of the groups opposed to it would be those people that own variety stores and whatever because they get 1% of sales of what they sell and they get... uh, They also get 1% of uh, the... Tickets that they they pay for for the winners. Yeah. So they have a, a revenue stream, which is yeah. in, in some yeah. instances the only reason why they're in business is with the activity of the. the uh, yeah, some can live off just that alone. Yeah, yeah. and that's what they because when you go in there, when the, some of them they don't even sell newspapers anymore, which used to be a staple, and there's a minimum number of choices to buy anything other than bread and milk. But a uh, couple of points to make out. That was then. What eventually happened was that even though people. Um, was shut down from going to work. They or they work remotely. Yeah, I didn't work at all. That after this dip, there was a resurgence of purchases because people get bored. So what do they have to do? Well, they some and I know instances people bought lottery tickets more than they usually did for the simple reason they, they get tired of watching reruns on TV or they weren't playing. <laughs> yeah, they weren't playing totally games yeah. on the computer. So what it ended up uh, as of last June. The lottery had one of their most successful years. I think it was like the third highest year for revenue. Really? Yeah. Wow. And well over a billion dollars. Wow. After paying off the, the losers. Yeah. Because even when you pay off winners, oftentimes the, the bottom line is that you're paying off someone who lost. <laughs> anyway, so um, this was an article in the paper. And the, the thing is, I, I absolutely agree, it is – no legitimate reason for having this effort made by the it's short-sighted and there's a lot of reasons socially why it's not it's a bad idea well you now you can't even go into a, a, a store now and use a, a debit or a credit card to buy a lottery ticket you never right? could you have to and right you have to use cash right yes so what she's proposing is something new, too. Because, I mean, if she proposed that online, then they'd have to allow you to be able to use a debit and credit card in the store, wouldn't they? They would, but yeah. you'd also you'd do it remotely. Okay, okay. I'm assuming, why would, well, no, no, maybe you'd still have to, no, you wouldn't have to do it in the store, would you? Because you'd have well, to do it in the store. Wouldn't that be unfair? No, no, I'm not thinking, um, 
No, I, I, you could do it remote. That's the reason why the stores would be against it, because if they would be bypassed. You could deal directly with the lottery. So in, in one way, the lottery would be minimizing some of their expenses and still getting the revenue. And past that, they'd be getting a greater revenue because there'd be more people yeah. of the frequency of use by those people. Well, maybe that's why it. she's doing it. Well, she's doing it for the revenue, but but she's she's losing the social impact because just to give you a couple of uh, some additional information in Massachusetts, the average sale now this is Massachusetts it's countrywide, the average sale is under three hundred dollars for those states that have have lotteries. Now states have different kinds of lotteries. Three hundred dollars a person a year. Yeah, this mm. is adult residents. Let's say okay, because right, you have to be an adult to, to, to in theory uh, uh, to even buy a ticket. Massachusetts, it's nine hundred dollars. Wow! But you know, then you say, "Well, nine hundred—that's like three times as high." Well, but then you start thinking about it. We have a lot of tourists. Yeah. And then you have a lot of people from New Hampshire to work here. Yeah. So indirectly, uh, the, the reasons why we're as high as we are is that it, it is not just the residents of Massachusetts that are buying tickets, but we we have the um, opportunity of having people who don't live here buy tickets. So, uh, but they visit us. Yeah. Or the seasonal work. Uh, yeah. So, so that isn't in itself uh, the whole thing. But it's a very telling comment that you would think that in Massachusetts, the amount of people that are buying tickets, and, and apparently uh, even uh, maybe higher than some states, Minnesota, for one, tried this the digital uh, ticket sale, and they discontinued it. Yeah. And maybe, I didn't find out the reason, but it may be, have been the social... This, uh, um, problems it caused because uh, y you have um, what they estimate in, in Massachusetts as, a, uh, as uh, the number of people that are addicted to gambling um, in Massachusetts is significant in Massachusetts yeah. 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 And, and again now you go back to the other thing that $900 or it's actually like $933 um is way above the national average. Yeah. But, of course, when you dig in deeper, the people that have an income in, in, of $75,000 or more, they spend, and now you assume that the, the, the surveys are accurate, spend a little over $100 uh, per year on tickets. Okay. So who are buying the tickets? It isn't the people in Wellesley, Will, and, or Weston. No. It's the people in Malden, Everett, Chelsea, and wherever, and... They're uh, the ones that uh, economically uh, incomes are thirty thousand dollars or less sometimes. Yeah, so yeah. The, the the ones that are paying the money out that should be do, using for other reasons are the, in areas where um, uh, economically they're struggling to start with. And and now what you're suggesting is make it even easier for them. Uh, um, I tr I tried to uh, buy a, a lottery ticket one day. I was on a spur of the moment. I was in the stop and shop. Yeah. But you have to. You have to go to a computer price process and ID yourself because you'll be 21. Oh, jeez. So I, I couldn't figure it out, so I didn't buy the ticket. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that wouldn't be. Uh, give me a couple of, a couple of my own life's experiences. Someone I know owned a small variety store uh, years ago. <laughs> it wasn't you? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. No, no that, was, that, was, that was long before the lottery. Um, but he had, a, he had a gambling issue anyway, as it turns out. And so what happened was he would he would be there in the store when business would be slow. He'd keep scratching tickets, and obviously what happens with the lottery? It, it, at one time they gave you a stack of tickets, and then when you replace the tickets that you had, you, you had to put up the money to, to replace the ticket. But in a way, the lottery was really financing you in that first round. Yeah. Now they now they do it com uh, through the computer, so they get the money right away. And right. in the old days, they used to have to have the people drop the tickets off and collect the money and do it. So they, you know, there was an old-fashioned way of doing business that when they they first started. But the point I'm getting at, he went out of business because once he couldn't pay for the new tickets, yeah, and once he couldn't pay the bill, then he couldn't have the lottery. And for a day or two, he used an excuse: "Well, the, the computer's down or whatever." But what happens, people go somewhere else before you know it. You haven't paid the milkman, and you haven't paid the bread man, and, you're out, and that's what happened to him. The second one was that um, someone I know who works for himself, and he's in a, a business that's, that has a very rushed week or two or ten days, and then or three days, and then he might be off. He's a subcontractor, 
and he might be off for another week or 10 days. So he's up and down in terms of how active he is. And a lot of the work he does, he has to travel sometimes out of state. It goes as far as Pennsylvania. But a member of his family, whom I know, was telling me when he gets bored, and he, and he, he happens to be a single guy, and, but he got a pretty good income when you, when you, when you deal with the, the kind of work he does, that his family member was concerned that when he gets bored, he's out there, he could spend the days scratching tickets. So you buy them and you lose and you buy some more and you get a winner and you go buy some more. So, but that's an, that's an isolated case. But there are all kinds of situations where people who are tendency towards uh, uh, gambling uh, uh, too much for what they, what they can afford, if they got an opportunity to go online, they would be a lot worse off. And sometimes when these situations occur, when they, people get indicted who uh, uh, work for a company where they have access to the checkbook, in fact, they had a woman recently in Malden got in, uh, pleaded guilty to do embezzling. Um, if you get access to the checkbook, and you find out sometimes there's a correlation between that and the time they spend at casinos. Yeah. And that's the reason why they're in the predicament they are, at least part of the reason, and... So if you were able to sell uh, uh, tickets online by the state, the people about buying them again, they're not in the Wellesley, Whale and in Western communities. They're they're in the Malden, Everett, Chelsea, Revere, and whatever. So I, I'm, th I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking the reason the treasurer wants to do this is not so much, well, the, it's a revenue thing, right? But it must be in reaction to all the other online gambling that's now. That's, that's, yeah, that's now okay to do. Yes. And, and I'm not quite sure that they would, I mean, because there's all these games that you can get on uh, on the Internet, right, that at some point require money, either either play for money or, you know, there's a, a casino-type games. And uh, I'm sure they're looking at it like they need to be in on that mix as well. Uh, but I'm not sure they're as interesting. If you get online with a... With a I think they might end up losing um, share to um, games that are more exciting. I mean, it's not very exciting to be online and just get a scratch ticket. You know. Well, you, you, but it's instant gratification. You scratch the ticket and you have a you know whether you won or lost. It isn't like buying a. a, a, a I bought a, a for someone as a birthday gift a, one of those season tickets yeah. a, a while back. Um, and I, I, I emphasized to them that, um, and it was kind of complicated because I, I didn't get what I wanted to get because the, 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 the way it was set up. But uh, anyway, um, I said to them, make sure that you notify the lottery that because uh, you go online and you, you can give them, the, give them the information. So if you win, yeah. you don't have to necessarily be aware every time there's a drawing because you're buying for 20 weeks ahead of time or 26 yeah, weeks. So yeah, you might yeah, not even yeah. look at the newspaper or whatever. But this way here, at least if you go on record with the lottery, they'll notify you if you by sending you a check in the mail yeah. if, if you win. Now, if you win $2 or something like that, they, I think they have a minimum of $25. But over a course of six months, you might win several times a small amounts, and uh, you could mm. get 25 or more. Or even if you didn't, at the end of the time, if you get your ticket, they'll send you the money for whatever yeah. is in your account. But the main thing is that you don't have to be uh, paying attention to the newspaper every day to find out whether your number yeah. came up. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but the part about the honesty, the reason I asked that, there recently was a situation. <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> in a, it, it happened, You're bringing it, us all around back to the honesty Yeah, that's because part. It's, a, it's a lottery <laughs> ticket. Uh, <laughs> someone whose family owned a, a a small store that did a, a, an active amount of lottery business, the young younger person in the family went through the wastebasket yeah. and came across... Now, this is, I thought, the interesting part about how wrong I was, as usual. No, I'm not arguing, <laughs> but sometimes. Uh -huh. <coughs> oh, Which me. is why you have this show, so you can mislead people. <laughs> uh, <either laughs> anyway... <coughs> Why was he going through the wastebed? He didn't have better to do or what? I never well, go through it's the a kind of a business where you have lulls and, and it's boring. Or <coughs> excuse me. Anyway, he finds a ticket that wasn't fully scratched. Okay. And uh, scratched it, and it was a million dollar winner. Wow. That was somebody here in Malden. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, was it? Although I know someone did it one time and, oh. and won final thousand dollar ticket in the sunny years to. In Maplewood. Oh, well. Yeah. $1,000 winner. But it so happened that they knew this person uh, who it was. 
You mean the, the guy that got the ticket out of the He was the a clerk in the store. He was a clerk in the store. Knew he, who it was. Oh, he knew who had originally had the ticket? Yes. Oh, okay. Right. And okay. this is where I'm getting into the honesty part. Mm. So he asked, he checked with his mother and father what he should do, and he envisioned that he could get himself a new electric vehicle. That was his yeah. first expression. Oh, okay. You know, that, yeah. and um, so I think they sat on it for three days. Yeah. And then they called the grandmother in, who would be the parent to one of the parents of his, in India. Yeah. And, and, and brought her in on it. Now, maybe she was the one who gave them the money to open the store. Uh, I don't know what, but why they brought her in, but they did. And her suggestion was, since she, she was aware, number one, they knew who the winner was yeah. and, and whatever. And uh, so she suggested that they contact the person and tell her that she had a winning ticket that she didn't know. Yeah. So there's the honesty part. Yeah. So, so the family, I think, thought about maybe that was where the three days came in. They thought about it, and then they went to her place. At the the son went to the, her place of employment and asked her to stop by the store. Now that's the first part of the story. Yeah. The second part was this is the way I thought it was. It would be an elderly person that bought a ticket and didn't realize yeah. that it was a winner because of the way the ticket numbers would set up or whatever. But the reason it, it, it turned out that what she didn't do, which would be automatic, is that you have to scratch not only the numbers that are in the blocks, but the numbers above, the section above, which gives you the matching numbers that give you the winner. Yeah. She hadn't done that. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's an elderly person that didn't know the game, and that's what. Well, it turns yeah. out she wasn't elderly. She was not young, but she wasn't elderly. Yeah. The second thing I thought it was one of those tickets that maybe was for five dollars or ten dollars, in which case she was just a, another ticket that she bought and didn't new game maybe didn't understand it. But it was a thirty dollar ticket, so I would have thought anybody bought a thirty dollar ticket would have looked real close at it. Yeah. So the two things that I thought were part of the uh, equation. A lower price ticket and a young and an older person wasn't true at all. It was a thirty dollar ticket. In any event, the the son went to the the woman, told her to stop by the store. She would buy the store, and they told her she was a million dollar winner. Yeah. Now this this made uh, the the Boston Globe. That's where I saw the article, and um, it also um, didn't indicate whether the because the store would get a, a ten thousand dollars. Yeah, they'd get a good... Uh, uh, they get 1% of, the, of the, any winning tickets, so it's $10,000 the store would get anyway. Yeah. But it didn't indicate in the article that the woman that had the ticket gave any of that money back to the either the young man or to the... She may have done that, but they didn't have that as part of the article. But my my point was the definition of honesty was honesty really is doing the right thing when no one's looking. Okay. <laughs> well, if you think about it. Yeah, well, I mean, can I tell you my take on that? Yeah. Uh, my take is is that if she threw, regardless of the outcome of the ticket, if she took the ticket and threw it in the trash, right? Yeah. She at that point has relinquished her her ownership of the ticket Be, because because you you know they say in general like. Let's say they they Possession want. Is let's nine say you're. Of the law? Well, let's say you're a criminal and yeah. and then the police are after you. And one of the things they do is they wait for you to put your trash out in front of your house for them to look for DNA evidence or right. something. And the assumption is that if your trash is on the curb and right. whatever, is it's it's common ground now. It's not. It's you've given up ownership because you've put it in the trash. You don't need a search. So apply. Right, right. You don't need a search warrant, and you're free to now go through this trash. Right. So I would apply that rule to this and say that once the woman threw it in the trash, it's anybody's anybody that went through the trash can do whatever they want with uh, whatever's in there. So do you think they're, they're – So I'm thinking I'm being honest too. It's just that, you know, you're taking a different – you're saying, well, they – you know, not only did they pull it out of the trash, they knew who put it in the trash, and they – Felt bad and felt that they should do the right thing. 
Well, uh, my th- my thinking was, uh, and that maybe is a, a totally opposite from you, <laughs> that the the honesty part, hmm. is my definition about I'm is shocked. What, I'm not do, honest. Well, well, no, you, can, you rationalize that, but I'm, and I'm not sure you would do that in real life if that happened to you. I don't think that you it, don't it, think I would. No, I, I would. I'd I, be well, torn, might, but, but I'm, I'm thinking I'd, that, I'd be a rich torn guy. <laughs> well, w- 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 you'd be a rich guy with a flawed conscience. But anyway, um, the, the reason I mentioned about what I thought was kind of a, an easy explanation was doing the right thing when no one's looking. There's a situation where this took several days for them to resolve it within the family. Yeah, yeah. In other words, in my mind, if you had that ticket in the in the wastebasket, now, this is what I say I would do. I would have reacted and given mm. it right away to the woman. Yeah. Because it, it, she paid the money... I knew who she was, and it, it, it may have been because maybe the, the reason why he they could he could identify her as the winner uh, of the t- or the holder of the ticket was it was a, he doesn't sell a lot of thirty dollar tickets, or this woman buys a lot of tickets, or he he knew she bought a ticket or whatever, all those kind of things where he was so sure that was she he knew who was the winner, but in this case here. If the grandmother said, I'll be right over, I'll bring the money back to India or to convert it to diamonds or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. they wouldn't have turned it in. So it wasn't like they got a lot of credit for giving her the ticket, but they they, they, they wrestled with that issue for several days before they finally uh, yeah. contacted yeah. her. So, so even at, even if the right thing was done, in my mind, not taking the <laughs> ticket out of the bucket, <laughs> but... I, I know at times in the past people have said, you know, if they ever won the lottery, they would... Well, bu- let me ask you this. Right. What happens if you found the, the ticket in the trash, and yeah. was, but you didn't know whose it was? Yeah. Now, it was, it, how hard would you, I mean, would you go to any degree to find out who owned that ticket, feeling it? I would. Not, you would. I, you I would. would. Okay. And All right. Maybe because... You're a very honest man. That's well, <laughs> yeah, that's easy for me to say, but, I mean, but I'm not 23 or I'm not 42 with debt. Or, 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 yeah, yeah. I don't have three or four or five kids going to college in the next 10 years. So, those, you know, people do different things. Or I don't, uh, you know, I'm not interested in a summer home. You know, so all those kind of... Or an electric car as the kid did. That yeah. was the, the son. But it's easy to... The old story about the um, uh, someone a woman went into a store one time and asked, "Do you sell bananas?" The guy mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, it's an old story." But anyway, she said, "How much are they a pound?" And he said, thirty cents a pound." Yeah. And she says, "Well, they're only twenty cents a pound across the street." So he said, "Well, why don't you go buy them across the street?" And she said, they "Don't have any." <laughs> and he says, "Well, we don't have any. We sell them for ten cents a pound." <laughs> the point is, it's easy to say what you would do if you if it wasn't right in front of you. And like yeah, I said, yeah, what I said, yeah. I would do. What I would, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Maybe at twenty three, I wouldn't. Have, but I, uh, my current age, I would have. I'd, I'd go looking for the person. But anyway, yeah, I think I would too. It just, I, just I, to put your put that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and now now uh, I would very very to quickly to change the subject. Uh, <laughs> every year in the in the <clears throat> in the Globe, they publish. The valedictorians of the of the um, the graduating uh, public schools schools in Boston, yeah. And every year, when when I say every year, more recent years at least, I look them over. Yeah. And um, the interesting thing is, and it, it's not unusual, there between charter schools and public schools in the city of Boston, there were forty five schools. Okay. Of the forty five schools, ten of them are charter schools. Yeah. Of the uh, of the forty five schools, in about thirty five instances, the valedictorian of the class is who? Yeah, who? Huh? Who is it? What? I don't know. A girl. Oh, mostly female. Yeah. Okay. Every every year, mostly female. Really? Yes. Well, and I figured the majority, but it, yeah. Well, okay. Now, going back, uh, uh, step back for a moment. Eighty percent of the Boston public school are minorities. Yeah. Okay. I try to find out uh, the graduating level of, of, of the of the, but I, I, I tried several sources before the show and I couldn't find out what the what is that. Uh, that's a cross section of the public school system, including charter school, but it might not not necessarily be the percentage of graduates, but. That's the second part of it. Of the f- 35 or 45 people who were valedictorians, of the 45 that were valedictorians, yeah. 35 of them are, are, are females. Okay. And 
about an equal number are minorities, most of whom in the minorities are either Asian or Hispanic. Yeah, okay. And now, that isn't an exception. That's in recent years when the publics in the globe have looked all over, and I'm not making a judgment about why that is. You could talk, you could talk about um, once busting came in in Boston, the, a lot of the people in South Boston, the Dorchester, and West Roxbury in particular, said if they were Catholic or they were eligible to go to parochial schools, they would send their children out of the public schools. So that would diminish sometimes the demographic options open because it isn't a true cross-section of all the students. But uh, and here, the, we don't deal with parochial schools or other religious group schools that are in the city of Boston, only charter schools and public schools. But what it suggests is, what is it, to, and my, my thought was, what is it about minorities in Boston, why these kids do so well? Is that an exception rather than a rule? And why is it that they're female rather than a mix of equal male and female? It isn't. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, well now, I ahead. see your paper here. Is there 45 pictures here? Yeah, is that 44. Oh, one one did, is not in there. One picture. Oh, oh but uh, it, don't they have a valedictorian from each one of these 45 schools, you the, say? Yeah, they're all from different schools. They're the 45 schools. Oh, okay. So even though there's not... Okay. but And they tell you where to go to... Some of them are going to um, uh, Bunker Hill. Some are going to uh, Ivy League schools. Some of them are going out of state to colleges. They are certainly, in some instances, I'm sure... Uh, we were we awarded uh, uh, scholarships because it. Uh, Do you think that's a good idea? I mean, to, to, when you graduate, because I struggled with this when I graduated high school. Did you want to go to college right away, or do you think it's a good idea to go to college right away? Well, I didn't. You but, didn't. But I never. You know, I was supposed to save some money to go to college. I worked a year out of high school. Oh, the reason you didn't go to college is because you had to raise money to. Well. Um, that was some of the reason, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I had some money saved, and, and at that time, um, there, there was a, a general college which was part of Boston University, and a friend of mine had gone there after high school. He had worked a while after, uh, and then gone back to college after being out of high school a while. And he went there, and then from there, he, you know, he graduated four years later, and then did some something else in the. In his career, uh, they took advantage of that. But w it, w it was like a college pre pre preparation for people who had to think a little bit about what they want to do with their life after the high school. So if you, whether you went right after high school or you delayed it, you went, you, you didn't have a chance to decide two years after you were there what are you going to major in. So mm -hmm. anyway, but I uh, at the time <laughs> I saved up enough enough money for one tuition for one semester. Yeah. I can't even get through the first year, so I'll have to wait and save some money. But anyway, yeah. I'm telling you all my Well, I mean, is, is it a question? I, I always thought, like, is it a great time to, to uh, take some time off and get a little maturity under your belt before you go back to uh, school? I think, I think that's more common now. Uh, yeah. yeah, even some of these, not all of these people are going to college, by the way, right away. Right. And some of them are going to Bunker Hill. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, they, they're taking the time to either fit it in with their family financial situation, although you think certainly anybody that was a valedictorian could qualify for sources of funding to get them to uh, get to college. But, you know, so in some families, that person may be the, uh, the eldest child and there's other siblings behind them and there's a need to add income to the family, which you do by getting to go to work. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons why that happens. Well, if you get a scholarship offer, right, yeah. let's say you're a valedictorian and you get a scholarship offer, do you have to take it right away or can you defer it? Well, I, um, that's a good question. Um, um, I know years ago there used to be one of the fraternal organizations gave a scholarship out, and the person delayed going, and they, he had to be go to a, a nursing program, yeah. and they delayed starting the program, but they ended up getting the scholarship after uh, a period of time they graduated high school. Uh, um, it could be very well that you could reapply to the college again in the following year if you didn't go the first year if they ma made you an offer, but there'd be no assurance that you'd get one. Right, and, uh, right. So, yeah. but there's a lot. There's a lot of variables. It's like uh, I saw one on the paper. Th um, it was a, in, in the local newspaper. I think it was the Observer, where someone, um, uh, child, got a scholarship to the uh, Bunker Hill Community College from yeah. the, from uh, I think the Teamsters. Yeah. And then when you read through the rest of the article, the mother worked for the Teamsters. Oh. So you say, well, that wasn't hard to figure out. 
(laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that's not, anyway. Well, now having said all that, as a follow-up, the Wall Street Journal published the top financial advisors across the country. Okay. And um, as part of that is they don't, you have to apply. Okay. And oftentimes, if you look at the background, they're not like the super, super financial planners that, that are on TV. But these are people that are successful at, at, at their profession, that they, they, they have formally applied to Wall Street to be considered for, for, the, for uh, the top advisor award. And um, there's a stringent investigation, any, any complaints, any, any background in it, which suggests that they don't, they're not professional. You, go, you know, they give you all the usual things that yeah. determine whether you're, you, you're really not going to be embarrassed or have reasons to not to be what. So when they get all done, <laughs> that's why I'm good at little numbers. Um, there was 145 of them. How many were women? <laughs> well, I was going to ask you that. How do you think? Um, nowadays, I'd say a good portion. I'd, I think women, um, I don't know, not as many as the valedictorians, but I'd say 30%. Um, I think it's less than that, but if I got the number. But when you look at the faces yeah. and you connect the faces to the names, yeah. that whole list, I think, is one person of color. Really? I was shocked. Yeah. Uh, now maybe um, we just start saying, well, but maybe a lot of people that would have qualified didn't bother to apply, which is true. You know, when yeah, you think yeah. of this, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people offer themselves as financial advisors. So for only the, you know, for these people, and it is, like I said, when they when they um, they list among other things their background, they also indicate the, the level of of, of, of the, their uh, clients. Portfolio that they manage, so yeah. they're not super people that you see on TV. They're giving advice on how do you how do everybody to run the, the per life. But but I thought that was again um, strange, and also a suggestion that uh, sometimes people that should uh, should be among that group are a token representation because you have to formally apply. So if you don't apply, obviously you don't make the cut because you you never even made the effort. Yeah, and yeah. but. Uh, there is uh, again. I'd have to talk a lot, a lot more longer with someone at, at more uh, more professional, maybe background, and tell me why that came out the way it did. But I did see an article in the Marlin local newspaper recently, and a letter from someone a, li- a local resident that over seventy percent of the Marlin school system is minority students. Over seventy. Yeah, and you can uh, understand. You say, well, got the Asian population is over thirty. Yeah. Percent. A lot of the Asians would be younger people. They have families. Yeah. And then you have, you have some Hispanic people, you know, Haitian yeah. people. And so you, when you add it all up, you say, yeah, you can understand that. What's really kind of compelling, I thought, beyond any of that, the article indicated that there was only like seven teachers in the public school system that are not white. Really? How many teachers are there? Do you know? Well, it was they, they said there's 300 white teachers, and so uh, you, yeah. so uh, yeah. if you do the math there, that's a token amount, and that's a it, and, and and sometimes when you think about it, and, and uh, maybe there's some other things that I'm not aware of that uh, someone will remind me when I bump into them, I see them after this, that um, but you know. People tend to, in, in business, it is unusual, people hire people that they have a comfortable feeling with. And who do they have comfortable feelings with? The people that look like themselves, went to the colleges that they did, belong to social organizations that they do. They, yeah. they have, a, have a common golf golf uh, club they belong to, or, or those kind of things. So when you add it all up, you can see, well, if all the principals that, uh, tend to be white, uh, then the chances are they do the hiring, in which case they would hire people that look like them, maybe more likely than they would be hiring somebody else. Because mm. there's there's obviously a lot of people eligible and qualified to be teachers. Mm. The, the degree that they succeed depends on after they get the employment. But uh, and even now, they, the city of Marlin just hired a new superintendent, and she's a, she's a, a, a former executive uh, or administrator with the city of Boston, and she's white. Yeah. And the the city hired someone recently who was a. It was a new position that was created. It had to do with the, 
assuring that the equality was done in business and, and, and do all those kinds of things that make us a, a community that people will be encouraged to not only work here but to live here. But uh, she's a woman of color and has a good resume, but uh, my first reaction, uh, and maybe that's me, <laughs> and I said, gee, if the, if the, if the community has a percentage of greater than 30% of Asian, why couldn't they have found an Asian person to, to, uh, to hire in some ways? That would be more of a need because oftentimes the Asian person, unlike the person of color, the Asian person has a language barrier, yeah. like the English. Yeah. There's so. huh. a good oh, – I, I, you're a historian, right? I was, uh, yes. Are we going to wrap up the show pretty – in a few minutes, right? Yeah. So can I ask a question? Sure. American presidents, yeah. right? Who was the first – American president that was actually born in the United States? That was, um, I, I used to know that. Um, let me think about that for a minute. You mean the, the United States as a country? As that, a country, yeah. yeah. He was, so he would have been born after 1776? Is that what you mean? He was, um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good well, question. Well, but well, he was born uh, being being in this geographical location, I guess. Oh, the 13 states? Yeah. Oh, Virginia was one of the original. That would have been George Washington's, but that's not the answer because he was born in yeah. 1732. <laughs> 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 he was born in 1732? He was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, was he born here? Well, of course he was. He was born yeah. in Virginia. Yeah, he was born in Virginia. As was Thomas Jefferson. So that, well, that, that brings up a good question. I think what— It's like uh, when—yeah, exactly. Born, when I say in the United States, was yeah. it after 1776? That's Correct. a good question. Right. Remember, I'll, i got to go back and look now before— Well, I, it, yeah, that would I be— I, I knew the answer to that, and, it, and um, I'm inclined— If I had to pick a name quick without having a chance to think about it, because we only have three minutes to the left, um, um, see, I was going to say, say maybe James Buchanan. Yeah. Do you know the answer? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you. I, I give you all these. Uh, well, you know, you know. I'll give you. I'll give you a couple of quick things in a couple of minutes. You left. Uh, Women <laughs> last year were in eighty-four percent of what men are in last year, and then oftentimes they do the same job. So I don't know why they don't make the same amount of money. And then, but there's a lot of criticism of, of, of Governor Cuomo of New York because yeah. of what's going on with his, his social harassment and things like that. Yeah. Is that well, still going on, by the way? Well, because the, 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 uh, I had a couple of other things I wanted to talk to, which I'll have to say for another show, and you may be glad you're not here to be part of that show. <laughs> but um, Get the, me out of here. <laughs> the governor of New, the, there's a governor of New Mexico, who uh, Michelle Grisham, who was um, – Political campaign paid $62,500 to settle allegations by a former campaign employee who said he was sexually harassed by the governor, according to campaign filings. Uh, campaign financial records show that uh, the campaign committee paid $62,500 in f five monthly installments to a law firm representing James Hallahan, who worked as a spokesperson for, for the governor in 2018. And um, I hope we're still on. But anyway, the payment was linked to a settlement to resolve dubious and disputed potential claims and avoid the distraction of the, in the cost of litigation, which is a common reason people use to justify pay something that they know they, they're in the, in the legally responsible for. But that's what's kind of interesting. It seems she got off a lot easier than Como did. But maybe being a woman has its advantage sometimes. Oh, yeah. And anyway... Uh, it's been a very interesting hour. We talked about a lot of things. I'm going to check on that, um, the president, and um, I'm going to research it too because it's a good question as to when. No, I'm, I'm, I think it's, it's probably born someone born after the country was settled as a country, which would have been not even 1776. It would have been 1782. I think we, if I do a quick quick math. So anyway, uh, I hope those that are listening that, that things that I said that you disagree with, you tell me about it if you run into me or to go out of the way to talk to me about it. I'm going to say my presidential uh, question I'm saving for the next time I'm on this show, Okay, which may maybe never. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to ask who was the best president by polls. I know that answer. I'll save that for the next show. Trump turned out to be like 41 is the least He's forty fourth from the bottom. Fourth from the bottom. And the God. worst one is? Uh, yeah, the worst one was, uh, good question again, I do remember it, but I can't remember the name. 
can see the Johnson of Buchanan. The one, yeah. the one that, the Johnson exceed, succeeded the Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, I think. And Buchanan preceded. Uh, oh, Lincoln. so on just before the Civil War. Yeah, Buchanan. Yeah, yeah, the worst. Yes. Because I it, it was like 1856 or something like that. Right. Yeah. So. But the other one is that Johnson is, a, is 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 certainly close second. He was the worst at one time. Yeah. Not the not, not the, Lyndon Johnson. Not Lyndon. Andrew Johnson. Anyway, I thought we were already off the air, but I'm glad that I gave a, a final saying. So we can wrap it up anytime that. I was concerned like I'd run out of time before I'd finish all my statistics. <laughs> <and stories. laughs>